talk about Edge. Let's talk about Edge. Hey, so, <laughs> I think one of the things we've realized as we've gone down this Edge journey together is, um, you know, it, it's not all, let me say it a different way. Uh, you don't always get the best perspective on edge by talking to the traditional IT companies, right? I mean, you know, Dell and HPE and Lenovo and these guys all have edge programs uh, and, and, and solutions that they sell into the space. Um, but we, we don't get a feel talking, talking to the, these, uh, these sorts of uh, technology providers about what's really happening on the edge. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you. And, you know, it's funny because, um, and I don't, I don't mean this, um, in a, in a negative way, but talking to, to those traditional players, you know, it, it's all, they all have different, um, spins on kind of the same story, right? It's all very AI focused, all very kind of in, infrastructure focused. So I want to put hardware out there and I want to enable AI and, and they're great stories and they're necessary, but the edge is so much bigger than that, it seems. And there are so many different layers and so many different considerations. Um, and this is a theme we keep coming back to. Uh, you can look at Edge from a couple of perspectives. And the one that we tend to take, and I think some, a lot of the companies that we cover tend to take, is a very IT-centered view, right? The mm-hmm. Edge is just a small data center. Let's put some storage and servers down there, uh, yep. and it's just all going to magically work. But yep. I think the reality is a little messier. Um, so who are we going to talk to? Yeah, so... So good point. So um, I love the guys that um, the company that we're, we're about to speak with um, because they're a company that's they they their DNA is built in resiliency. It's it's you know it's it's built you know the security resiliency fault tolerance is all about what this company is. Which really, when you think about kind of like the the real needs around you know in a lot of unattended edge environments is these are these are the critical kind of touch points so stratus um a company that a lot of a lot of it folks are familiar with um also have have been in in the edge space for a very very long time so we have jason anderson and stephen green from um from stratus joining us uh jason and stephen thanks for for jumping in do you want to do a quick intro of who you are and what you do at, at stratus Oh, sure. Um, so I'm Jason Anderson. I, uh, lead strategy and, um, uh, the product management effort at Stratus. I've been company, um, for about eight years now. And for the last five, we've really been kind of focusing our success in the industrial sector into what is now our edge computing movement uh, within the company. Hey guys, this is Stephen. Great to join you, gentlemen. Appreciate the uh, chance to talk about edge. I, uh, look after Global business development and marketing for Stratus. I've been with the company for the last two and a half years. Uh, previously with a software company focused in a similar space, a company called Aspen Tech. Prior to that, I was with a number of different companies focused in aerospace and defense, uh, manufacturing, uh, particularly, uh, near the end focused on the area of autonomous systems, more affectionately known as drones and looking at how they're applied in industrial environments. So uh, my, my view into edge computing is a little bit different uh, because I come from an operational environment where we saw uh, these technologies being applied and how they impact people in their day-to-day lives. Yeah, that's, uh, you guys both bring kind of interesting perspectives. In, um, and it's funny, Stephen, we were just down at uh, a robotics and drone summit in Houston for oil and gas which is, you know, kind of the edge objects, if you will, um, objects that sit on the edge. And, you know, Steve, Steve can attest to this. You know, we went up and spoke to a number of companies around kind of their edge environments or what, how they view the edge. And, you know, never once did we hear the traditional IT players mentioned as, you know, players and nor were they on display at these events. Um, and it kind of, this is what, you know, wanted to, or prompted us to, to want to re-engage and chat a little bit with Stratus around kind of your views, because there are so many different ways of looking at the edge and, you know, what is the edge? What is robo? What is, you know, what is something else? You know, how did, and I'll, I'll throw this out to both of you to start, you know, just to kind of get level set and talk, you know, so that our, our audience is, is kind of has the right um, frame of mind or reference point. How do you, how does Stratus view the edge? How do you define the edge? You know, high level taxonomy or categorization, you know, do, is there any, do you break it out in a certain way or is it just all one big environment? Well, I think we, we really have 
well, there's kind of, I think there's the kind of high level definition and then how we kind of break it up to, to look at the market and figure out how to, how to execute against it. Um, the, 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 the kind of high level ways really has to do with kind of the type of compute being deployed there. So you've got what we'll call, you know, the thinner edge, um, which is where you start to see really just primarily machine driven, you know, drones, uh, agriculture, transportation, a lot of that stuff falls into mm-hmm. that. Then there's your thick edge, which is really a big place where we participate in terms of the market. Um, that's where you're looking at factory floor automation, um, uh, you know, healthcare delivery, retail, you know, places where you're going to have a, a steady permanent connection, uh, connection to the internet or back to some sort of main site. Um, and generally, uh, you know, more than compute being deployed, general purpose compute being deployed over and above that of machine compute, right? And then there's, you know, the whole, uh, and then there's, you know, pretty much everything beyond thick edge starts to get into uh, the data center and or the cloud space with this kind of interesting, you know, thought starting to materialize, especially the IT world talking about micro data centers, which kind of is blurring the line between thick edge and kind of data center. Um, but, you know, I still kind of proposition that as thick edge based on some of the software workloads that are being discussed. So I'd say I'd probably put MDCs into the thick edge space where the others might not. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at it, we actually look at it kind of more based around the types of, the types of workloads and or the, the type of capacity needed to run that workload. So we have, we have a, we have a business that we call our traditional business, which is your data center business. Um, we build mission critical systems, so we don't have a cloud play, really. I mean, we have some services that are cloud enabled, but we don't have a cloud product. So, um, traditional is, is on-premise d- data center type of equipment. Um, then when you look at the edge, we really kind of break it into really three kind of components, right? There's what we call IT edge, which sits at the top, which kind of loosely ties to the thick edge. Um, where it's, you know, edge software and infrastructure, uh, deployed in such a way that it requires some level of IT assistance. Mm-hmm. There's OT edge, which is essentially, um, compute resource that's somewhat autonomous. Um, you know, which is, um, uh, where you've got people who OT folks probably can care for and feed for it itself. You see a lot of that in your mid-size and small-size manufacturers, to be quite honest. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, Ford definitely veers towards IT edge, but a lot of their smaller suppliers are going to veer more towards OT edge. Um, and then there's what we'll call OT, right? Which is really, um, not edge, (laughs) right? Because edge is somewhat of a new manifestation, right? OT technology really is things like sensors, PLCs, gateways, and smart machines, um, Mm -hmm. which are all kind of going through this interesting fit. They're kind of beginning this journey when you tie it into digital transformation as to how are we going to make these machines smarter? Um, how are they going to be able to do more, more computational functions than you would see, um, you know, them do right now? It's like, you know, controlling a robot's movement, let's say, for example, right? That's a great example of OT. There's multiple uh, PLCs or logic controllers attached to that to make sure it moves left, right, up, and down. Um, but you know, what else could that machine be doing? Could it be doing analytics on board? Could it be doing AI on board? Could it be doing, um, you know, other, other functions, even basic functions like, you know, security, right? Um, you know, so the machine can protect itself, not just fancy AI stuff, right? And so when you look at those four categories, that's a very significant market opportunity, right? For us, just to give you an idea, it's the, the, um, they're all in various stages of development, but if you project forward five years, those three opportunities alone for us are larger than the traditional opportunity by a factor of two. Wow. So it's more than double the size of the traditional opportunity for us. Now, again, we focus on kind of a specialized space, right? So, um, you know, we're not, you know, we're, we're, you know, if you were to look at the total server market, for example, sure. um, you know, edge will probably chew up about a quarter of that space in terms of commodity workloads. But you also have to understand that, you know, that other 75% now is dominated by, you know, cloud deployment, right? And cloud, you know, like I said, but if you just take the total aggregate server market on-premise cloud and edge together, you know, it really comes down to that ultimately edge will be about 25% in the next five years is what a lot of people think. So, so um, maybe another question for both of you is, as you kind of break it out into those, 
kind of higher level, you know, IT driven or IT edge versus OT edge versus OT. And is there a, <clears throat> it sounds like uh, Stratus plays within that OT edge to OT kind of side of the equation and not as much on the IT edge. Is that fair? No, no, we, we actually do mostly IT edge and then okay. kind of OT edge is our newer business. Okay. OT really is kind of very new. I mean, in the sense of you're just starting to see companies like come out and say, hey, I'm going to put a general purpose piece of compute onto this machine. So that to us is probably the most, potentially the largest and the biggest opportunity, largest and highest growth opportunity. But right now it's actually relatively small um, for a whole bunch of reasons. (laughs) A whole bunch of reasons, right? Uh, But yeah, I'd say really we tend to kind of play in between that OT edge and IT edge almost dominantly, yeah. So would you take, you know, it seems like a lot of companies um, in the IT space have kind of reclassified, you know, um, some spaces or segments or uh, markets and, and thrown them under edge. Like I think of Robo, right? Um, it could be retail shops, CVS is, you know, across the, across the country with a back, a, a couple of computers in a, in a closet somewhere. Have all of a sudden gone from being like considered robo deployments to now they're retail edge, right? Is are you seeing that a lot? And do you consider that part of the IT edge, but kind of like a subsegment of the IT edge, or how do you view those kind of um, deployments? Um, I do see them as edge. Sure, yeah, I see them as edge. I think that part of the reclassification is a reaction to um, well, I think companies have defined edge in different ways, but we're all pretty close. And I think that the IT guys are realizing, well, wait a second, there's, these are kind of easier use cases to go after, yeah. right? Um, and they are edgy, right? Maybe they're not like as, you know, they're not like in that AI predictive, whatever the new use, use cases, but I mean, it still fits. And I, and, I, and they do, and, and to be perfectly fair, those spaces do have special, um, in some cases, special characteristics over and above a data center anyways. They yeah. need to be resilient, for example. So sure, yeah, the answer is, yeah, we do look at it that way. And to be honest, we actually have some deployments that we that we count as a part of our edge business in that as well. So no, yeah, I mean, we do, okay. we're do we doing that as well. The reason, the reason I was asking that was trying to put a finer point on the definition or the, the kind of your perspectives on IT edge and kind of, you know, what you consider IT edge. I mean, yeah. Um, it's, so I didn't mean to stray, but uh, sorry, Stephen, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to to add to it. I, I think Jason's right on. And, and I think the added factor is you can't just look at the physical architecture of, of defining edge, you know, edge you know, ultimately is where you're trying to affect the change. That's going to be different for every business and different industries and, and such. But I think what we've got to look at is what are the unique environments in which you're trying to affect that change. You know, edge, you know, often if you look at common characteristic, has unique requirements above and beyond the, you know, traditional high availability fault tolerant requirements of a traditional environment. You know, those unique requirements, uh, you know, are, are as Jason noted, you know, there's security implications, there's application and technology management, you know, there's uh, data latency and, and really different implications for downtime. But it, if you really look into the uniqueness of edge, there are some characteristics such as scarce IT resources. Mm-hmm. They're often heterogeneous environments, not quite so, you know, of your traditional IT networks and environments, which in recent decades have become more homogeneous and standardized. Um, and then you got to look at what the implication of what happens at the edge. You know, usually downtime at the at the real operational edge means bad things for a business. And I think that's where Stratus's experience over 40 years solving for high volume, high risk transactions in telecommunications, uh, financial services, and other more seemingly back office type environments, um, you know, really played well in the past 10 years in more OT environments because we're able to bring that knowledge and understanding of that compute infrastructure and the need to reduce complexity and risk into true operational environments and protect those applications, protect those transactions, make sure there's no data loss and enable them to run so that the downtime doesn't cripple the business. 
Um, and, and I think that's, you know, really when you look at edge, you've got to look at not just the physical infrastructure, but what it is they're trying to do and, and how they're trying to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, when you, you say uh, Stratus has traditionally played in the back office, which is true, obviously, but um, the back office is the mission critical element of the business as well, um, which is why yeah. Stratus was so successful. And I think, you know, you can look at the edge as the new back back office or the far office, if you will. Right. Um, but equally. Well, yeah. 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 I, I mean, mean I, you know, I think, if we, yeah, there, there's some pretty interesting use cases out there where, you know, you do transaction. I mean, in the industrial space, we tend to be more on the what we'll call the control and supervisory side of things. But there are still a lot of really interesting transactional apps out there that are running. I mean, we do a lot with um, things like toll booth collections, train control, um, uh, bomb scanning um, now in, in certain airports and things like that. So, you know, these are things where there's a lot of volume and obviously there, you know, it's going to be better, it's going to be better served that those decisions are made or those transactions are processed as close to the point of, the point of sale as possible or the point of inspection as possible. So, you know, that's, it's kind of interesting because you're right that a lot of, even, you know, if you go beyond the infrastructure concepts that we're talking about and get into like transaction processing in general and how that's become much more distributed, it, it's, it, you know, it becomes fascinating because as soon as you start to have volume in those areas, right? So if you project forward into a smart city scenario or driverless cars or any of this other stuff, what you're saying is exactly true. It has to happen, right? It has to push down. Uh, that, that volume and scale has to be able to push down into a, into a place where it's happening. You know, I know that, um, I know that, in the, you know, there's, there's been a lot of buzz around edge and I, I'll, you know, Steve and I have talked about this quite a bit. You know, it seems to me, it seems to us that, you know, the edge, you know, I, and, and, you know, use finger quotes for that, right? Or air quotes for that. The edge is really kind of a manifestation of taking, um, a lot of what was connected device or disconnected devices being used and kind of bringing them into and making use to what you're saying, you were saying, Stephen, to, you know, to affect outcome, to, you know, to um, affect change. And it, so, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of this edge, you know, regardless of whether it's industrial or retail or, um, or, you know, IT driven or OT driven is really taking systems that have been around for a long time and kind of bringing them into the fold and, and being able to manage them and control outcomes better. Right. Um, have you, and so with that said, and Jason, you talk about, you know, bomb sniffing, you talk about, um, you know, at airports, you talk about driverless cars or automated cities. Have you found that there are certain edge verticals, segments, markets, whatever you want to call it, right? That have been like on the leading edge of, of really kind of the automation element associated with edge and, um, and really kind of, you know, taking advantage of the technology that, you know, can drive effect change or is it just like, you know, some companies are further ahead than others and it really is not vertical specific. Do you want to go, Stephen? Go ahead. Well, yes, sure. Well, I, I think let me start with the verticals where we do see it and then maybe talk uh, bridge to a little bit of, of what we think is driving people there because I don't think it's purely driven by vertical market. Um, although that, you know, market influence definitely has, has impact on the decisions they're making and what they're trying to automate. But, you know, we've seen earlier adoption in process manufacturing, food and beverage, water, waste, water, uh, transportation, as Jason noted, not only rail and signal controls, but also maritime mm-hmm. uh, applications. Um, and even, you know, to some lesser degree, machine building. You know, OEMs who are, are, you know, starting to pivot their business and offer a higher level of, of capability in the machine as well as services around the machine. And I, I think, you know, some of that is, is driven by the markets they serve, but I think most of it is really driven by, you know, business dynamics. You know, they're trying to get to greater operational efficiencies. You know, it's all in, in the, you know, category of operational resilience and excellence, right? You're trying to, you know, run the business more predictably higher performance levels, run your business at peak performance at all times, which has benefit in the, you know, overall financial performance of the business. And where there's been greater adoption sometimes is indicative of, 
the investments they've already made and the technologies they have and you need to bridge those technologies, you know, and really bring digitalization all the way through their operations. If you think about edge compute, at least as I think about it, it's the last mile of digitalization. It's, it's kind of like running, the analogy I use is like running fiber optics. You know, you can run fiber optics across the country, but then you get to the curb of someone's house or an office building. It's great that you have all that fiber optic in the ground, but it does nothing for the person sitting in the building trying to get the job done. Yeah. Same with edge compute, right? It's about being able to get the benefits of digitalization all the way out to the, to the workforce that's really running these operations. And, you know, there, there's a lot happening in, in those industries that I noted, but I think some of it is also indicative of, of the company themselves, the culture, what they're trying to do as a company, what the problems are that they're solving for and what their, uh, you know, maturation level is, you know, how, how mature are they in, in terms of infrastructure? And that's, that's another area where we see differences by vertical. You know, you have some verticals that have more mature infrastructure, yeah. um, and others that have less so. And it doesn't I say, passing a judgment there, uh, you know, there are brownfield deployments where you have infrastructure that's aged and needs to be replaced, and it's as valid of a deployment of edge compute as it would be in a greenfield environment. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only other element I would tack on to what Stephen said is the um, is that there's, there's definitely a safety aspect to it. Like, a, a, you know, so, um, for example, um, there's a lot of, uh, in Europe, there's a lot of legislation that's been passed to improve the safety of, again, rail transportation. Um, and they're using edge computing as a means to do that. So drivers, early warning systems for drivers, as these trains move faster and faster, the, the, the time it takes to slow them down is longer and the time to react gets smaller. So they need to augment, they need to augment the human driving the train with like sensors and bells and all this other stuff to let them know what's going on and some telem- advanced telemetry. Um, you, you know, the other area where you start to see safety pop up is, is in, in any type of, you know, um, different types of facilities management. Um, yeah. So we do have a pretty healthy buildings business um, where we're doing either things like, um, you know, door control in prisons, which is a <laughs> pretty big one. Um, but you also have even simple stuff like, you know, video analytics being deployed into an office building for, you know, just you know, is this person, is this a person who now is on our database of somebody who may have been vaccinated, right? Um, you know, even simple stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch going on in a lot of different markets and it really, you know, Stephen talked to like the performance and the throughput and everything like that. That's absolutely probably the biggest part of what we do. The, yeah. the, the other business case we really do add value in is, is around safety. Um, because if these, the, the systems have to just, they, ha- they generally have to run all the time. They have to be counted upon. Therefore, that you know, they want to. There's a there's a there's a willingness to kind of go the extra mile and make sure that those systems you know don't fail and require minimum serviceability or maximum serviceability, right? I should say. So, talk to us a little bit about. See, you bring up, um, and this is something I think listeners are, are really interested in. Um, you you bring up these use cases and these deployment models that make perfect sense, right? Whether it's the, we talk about airport security or railways or, you know, you talk about food and beverage. Food and beverage might be a little bit more um, mainstream, but these, you know, as I, as I sit here and I listen to what you're saying, I think, man, I come from an IT background. And when I think of the, you know, how you stand up solutions in, in a data center, you know, you have your traditional players that, you know, account for most of the software that runs in a data center, right? What's the ecosystem like for that, you know, for that railway system for, and I don't, I mean, I don't even know if it, yeah. I, I'm guessing it's public private, right? Is this, is this a lot of homegrown, you know, systems and solutions or is it, you know, do you have your own ecosystem that you work with that's very specific to these different deployment models and use cases? Yes to all. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's the honest answer. <laughs> I mean, um, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a lot of different stuff. I mean, it's really, and, and I think what the, what's killing the IT momentum, you know, I hate to say it that way, but it's true is when you, you mentioned some of the IT competitors is that what's killing their momentum is, is that the, 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 end customer of these solutions 
sees IT as a means to an end. So they're going to people that they trust on the business level, right? They're, they're, they want to go interact with people who are smart enough to understand the problem and have done it before and solved this problem for potentially decades. I mean, again, the technology is new, but the problems aren't. Right. Right. So, I mean, there's this whole different set of ecosystems and it varies by totally, it, it doesn't even vary just by vertical. It varies by verticals and geographies and, and, and the size of your business, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it creates a, you know, real opportunity. I think that's where, you know, the market's headed next in edge compute is that there's a need for more and more standardized solutions to, to put it in a phrase. You know, I think the, the heterogeneous nature of the OT environment is, is something that every company's got to deal with, uh, regardless of how you define edge. Uh, there are environmental factors that have to be addressed uh, through that process. Then there's, you know, more of your t- traditional IT standardization. And I think, you know, where we've been focused and where we've had success is we have IT standards-based compute platforms that are designed expressly for those OT environments. And and that's where we, you know, we see that that opportunity as a company and where we think we can help people most. Um, and that's been a barrier. That's That's been a real challenge for these environments. Uh, I think the other challenge that we see in the marketplace is what I'll call a lack of preparedness uh, and readiness of the of the workforce and the organization. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we tend to focus a lot on, on discussions around automation and control and those things. You know, those are the things we get to geek out on. But you know, we, we can't overlook the people in the, in the process. They're, they're a critical element in this. And this is all about enhancing their capabilities, what they can do and what they can support in an operational environment. You know, is the skill set there? Not so much IT skill set, because as an industry on our end, we're continuing to simplify and make all of these systems more manageable and, and make them easy to deploy and maintain in, in a variety of environments. But is the skill set there to take advantage of the digitalization that now is going to exist in the environment? And are they ready for that change? Are they ready to give up the, the, the paper-based, you know, paper and pen, you know, system that they're using to collect data and send it off to a planner and scheduler uh, in a in a you know a spec chem facility? Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's where I think you're seeing a, a, not only a change culturally, but where the market influence is starting to come in, where these companies are saying, look. You know, to be competitive, it's all about incremental sustained change, right? right? It's it's really about that, you know, how do I improve performance in a predictable way and get to peak performance in a safe and risk-free way? And and that's where I'm going to be more competitive in getting product, high-quality product to market at a good margin. The acceptance of that and the change in behavior that has to happen, not just the change in infrastructure that has to happen, has to, you know, happen in parallel. And that, that's going to be, a, I think, an ongoing challenge and has been a challenge uh, in recent years. You know, we, we spoke with a, with a SI uh, some time back, and um, their, their comment to us was tech, uh, technology is the easy part. It's the cultural issues that's the really hard part when it comes to um, really, really kind of making the edge part of the, you know, part of the bigger uh, organization. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can remember one of the first times pitching the use of a drone for line inspection, and I thought the engineers were going to laugh me out of the room. They were like, you want to do what? Are you nuts? Um, but then when we actually did a field exercise and showed them what we were talking about and, and just how, you know, not only safe it is, but how reliable and good the data quality is and what it would do and how it would round out the existing data set that they had to actually create actionable information and intelligence that made them smarter about their, their line operations. Um, you know, it, it, you know, the culture shifts once people see the benefit and how it helps them do their jobs better. And that's, that's important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think in that it, it's, it's, I think transparency, ultimately what all these things drive, these edge systems are going to drive is, is transparency, right? Because now you're getting data out of machines you, you know, you're getting at, you're aggregating that data out of machines or, or, or processes from different sites. Now all of a sudden you can compare the different sites and all these other things. And you have to also kind of come to appreciate that this is not, you know, this is all being done in the name of efficiency. And as soon as a lot of folks hear the words efficiency, they start worrying about their jobs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, because 
well, geez, if I now know the data and the metrics and I kind of, now all of a sudden the mystique of the secret sauce is, is kind of mitigated or, or eliminated, how hard is it to move that job to a different loca- location or to a different vendor or to all these different things? So, you know, you're, you know, I think that there is an element uh, that the, kind of the elephant in the room oftentimes with edge computing in certain industries is what does this mean to a specific role? And that's really where there's this, a lot of discussion but not and some action, but not a ton of action going on, which is how are roles changing in the OT world and how and, and what's the role of IT in the OT world now, right? That's a huge, a huge topic that I don't necessarily think that, um, I don't think it gets enough airtime, right? And, and in general, but I also think that not enough vendors are paying attention to it in general. It doesn't, and you know, even, even the guys who are out there, driving these solutions, um, you know, for industrial vendors or for a specific space, and they have that relationship with the customer, they don't have like, you know, they don't have something like IBM Global Services having a global change management practice. When right. you walk into it, when you walk into, you know, a manufacturing company with IBM and you're putting in, say, an SAP or some sort of ERP system, there's a whole raft of change management that goes with that project. That isn't right. happening at OT, right? right. You know, I'm not, you know, Siemens doesn't, I'm not going to pick on one, but you know, I won't say Siemens because I don't really know, but yeah. that kind of relationship, that it isn't the same, that whole change management aspect isn't the same in the OT world versus the IT. And I think a lot of it has to do with decades of kind of mistrust of, well, you're going to come in here and basically take my job away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a huge challenge, right? And and it's one that, you know, you when you bring when you're bringing a new technology in, you know, people are going to go, well, "What does this mean to me?" Right? Yeah. There's another dynamic to that too. I think Jason's right on it, and I I, I think the other dynamic is that there, in addition to the mistrust, is also that you know these OT professionals have had more and more responsibilities put on them over time. Yeah. And where, you know, where there's opportunity in the positive side of the ledger with, with the change in technology is the opportunity to enable them and enhance their capabilities by making things simpler for them to manage more things. So how do we take the workload and the pressure off of them by simplifying some of that and, and really putting the technology to use for those OT professionals? And I think that's, that's where for the companies that get it and are leaning in on edge compute projects, I think that's where they're seeing it and saying, okay, we get it now. And, and we, we've got a, a customer, for example, who runs terminals, run gas terminals, and, and they're scaling their edge compute deployments on that very principle. They've got a small team yeah. that's got, you know, IT background with OT responsibility, and they've got a lot of responsibility there within. And how do they do that? And how does that scale? And how can you help me scale? And, and you know, it comes down to really two things for them. One is you got to have the technology and it's got to be reliable. Yeah. It's got to do what it says it's going to do. And second, as, as, as our customer will tell us all the time, it comes down to service, service and service. Yeah. You know, you got to back it up with the services and, and the capabilities that need partnership from, you know, companies like ours to, to go affect that change and actually implement. Well, two, two, two follow on questions to that or one, one immediate. So, you know, do you see that, that, you know, that, customer you just referenced, do you see that as kind of where you think, you know, these organizations go? Or do you think OT and IT find like touch points where they can mutually benefit, but you know, the the two two or you know operations never kind of fully converge into one um you know centrally managed operation? I you know my take is that some will move there and are moving there and others will not. Uh, I, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. I think there are different considerations. We talked about culture already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you look at at least the current trends of where you see ITOT convergence, you'll see it in large global manufacturers and conglomerates who are solving for a high degree of complexity and risk. And they're trying to, you know, operate, you know, their, businesses with the greatest amount of efficiency uh, and drive value for for not only their customers but their shareholders there's you know there's a lot of considerations as to why you go with a different org structure uh, and and there's upside to the ot it converting so I mean I talked to one CIO at a contract manufacturer global 
you know, top tier manufacturer and they haven't con- really truly converged the functions, but they sit side by side mm-hmm. and, and operational technology decisions aren't being made without IT in the process, not at the end of the process to, to bless it from an IT standards point of view, but making sure that they get the most out of the, of the opportunity that they're looking at. And I, I think, you know, smart companies will involve and see some level of collaboration, but whether or not you see true convergence, you know, I, I think that remains to be seen. It's going to be highly dependent. But there, there are companies out there that are doing it. I mean, you look at companies like Johnson Controls uh, and you look at other companies like Audi, you know, they are very much so heading down the path of ITOT convergence and really making it a shared business responsibility, which which is going to have a lot of benefit to them. But you look at the complexity of their business, you know, the different segments they're trying to serve and what they're trying to, to bring to market. It, it's, it's a more reasonable organizational disruption to have to help them be uh, better off in the future. I'm not sure that's true for yeah. every company. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make a huge generalization in that I don't buy the convergence thing. Yeah. Um, and the reason is, is because I think that IT's role is inherently um, horizontal, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be driving best practices across various functions. It's supposed to be a, a, the bearer of standards. And you don't want any one particular function in a business to um, get too much leverage in that, right? You know, if you, if you, if, for instance, you know, if you let your, if you, if, if you merged it with your Salesforce, by the way, you know, everything would be an SFDC and, you know, you know, that's kind of the opposite case. But, you know, OT's funny. OT's really funny in the sense of that they're not a typical user. And that's what makes them so unique. And that's why they've been so, everybody's been so kind of hands off for so long is that these people have engineering backgrounds. They're technology people. They just, it's just different technology and engineering concepts, right? Yeah. But nonetheless, there's still that kind of a common basis. It's different than, like, say, a relationship between, say, IT and a finance department. Although yeah. I, finance is a very important department, it's it's very different, right, in terms of what's needed. So what I do see fundamentally shifting and have seen for a long time is that what's the what's the role? There's going to be some sort of new role that has to emerge that is a different type of person. And it's kind of like DevOps with cloud. You wouldn't have had cloud without DevOps. Yeah. In terms of digital transformation, what's that role? And what you're, you know, we, we've been calling it a lot of times hybrid OT. Um, cause that role really is kind of somebody who is kind of part operations person, part business analyst, part technologist. Yeah. And now where that person reports is, you know, just like DevOps, it's the same thing. Sometimes DevOps reports in IT, sometimes it's in the line of business. It doesn't matter, but that role is not codified or built yet. And, and you know, the company that Stephen mentioned at the very beginning, that guy is the closest thing I've seen to that hybrid OT model in my travels so far is that he, he, but, and he sits in the IT department, but he's very much like when you talk to him, he really understands the business side. So that role is going to be the catalyst for change because ultimately they're going to arbitrage and broker whatever agreements cross-functionally need to be laid out. And that set of agreements is a completely different set of agreements as than IT has ever created before because I look, you know, like you talk to a product manager, it's like, can I have access to office salesforce.com and Jira? I'm done. Right. <laughs> My IT needs can be solved in three minutes, right? But right. these guys have a completely different set of more tangled options. But I, you know, I think that the idea that somehow the organizations somehow collapse into each other is a little overplayed. Um, and I think it's a little more nuanced than that. And at the end of the day, each organ- what Stephen said is true. Once that role is codified and defined, then it's going to end up in an organization. But at that point, it probably doesn't matter as much because now you have the roles and interfaces defined. It's like Scrum, right? Does the scum- Where does the Scrum Master report? And, right. and, you know, what's the relationship between in a software development house with IT? It's the same thing. You need to have that person who sits between um, – you know, versus a, uh, versus like, you know, somehow IT telling our engineering teams what to do because they can't breach the firewall. That would kill innovation, right? And I think that's, that's another part of it is, is that that role is going to be the innovation hub for digital transformation in those companies. And when you go to the big companies, they happen to mostly just come from an IT hat. You know, that's where they're coming from. And the smaller yeah. companies are actually coming more from the OT side. Yeah. Which makes sense. Speaking, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned innovation and going back to that, 
Um, I want to loop back to something, uh, Jason, I believe it was you, you mentioned earlier around openness and, you know, versus, you know, kind of proprietary. It seems to me that, you know, uh, and, and this is what is interesting about the ecosystem. I want to kind of go back there a little bit, but it seems to me that, you know, in order for edge to be, um, edge environments to be successful, you have to embrace openness as a, as a company. And I know a lot of, a lot of IT folks get scared off when they hear openness because they, you know, and open standards because they immediately think, you know, there's a, you know, you, you introduce vulnerabilities into the organization. And, and but that's, that's not true if you do it right. I know that Stratus has put a lot into, um, what you've done on the edge. You've put a lot of thought behind openness and how you, enable a lot of different ecosystem partners doing different things and performing different functions and even at the end user, um, yet maintaining that resiliency and security of the platform. How important do you see openness? I, I, I say all that. That's just our perspective. What? How does Stratus see openness as kind of either an enabler or uh, or, or even the level of criticality to, to successful edge deployments? Or do you? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. Um, I, I think you know, coming from the tech industry, I, 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 I'm a huge proponent of openness and and all that stuff, right? I mean, you know, I work. I, you guys know I worked for Red Hat, so even open source. I'm, I'm, I, forget open standards. I'm beyond that. I'm, I'm a big proponent of open sourcing uh, code and things like that. What I will say though is that. If there's anything I've learned by working with the edge and in the edge ecosystems I've worked in is, is that, you know, openness is a great thing. And I think ultimately, if you want to move forward with it, if you, it comes down to that, if you want to be able to change the dimension of how you innovate and change the speed and agility with which you innovate, I think ultimately, uh, ultimately openness has to win. But what I will say is this is that the, the, a lot of the industrial companies in particular have bought from the same vendors who offer a, a somewhat, or, or in some cases, a very proprietary solution. Like for instance, distributed control systems, which run most of our oil refineries around the world, are yeah. incredibly proprietary, right? And by the way, probably not a bad thing, really. Right. Right. Um, So the question is, what's the role of openness in that particular environment? And so I think what you'll see is that there's going to be gradation around that. What is interesting to see is that I think the proprietary vendors that we've spoken with, I don't think they're doing the thing like in the past where like, you know, you know, when mainframe companies were confronted with openness and they were like, I'm just going to smile a lot and tell them it's, it's important and then not you know, do anything about it. Yeah. These companies are actually doing something about it. Like if you look what um, Rockwell's been announcing recently around things like getting into working with containers and actually starting to sell more IT types of tools, even selling IT systems um, like ours. Or if you look at like what's going on down in, um, uh, in Schneider where they're, you know, where one of the biggest DCS companies in the world has been making announcements for the last couple of years about their participation in standards bodies you know, I, I do think that they're they're very earnest about open standards, but the question they're they're also trying to figure out is, okay, but some of this stuff is really complicated, and you're you're probably not going to you know get through that. The yeah. parallel I'll draw is what you saw with um, the the network function virtualization movement a few years ago was everybody came out and said this is super important, this is super great, we all need to do it, and you're starting to see that emerge at the edge of the telco network, not the core, and yeah. the reason why is very simple is that if you optimize the living heck out of a router, it's going to be really hard to replace it with a software-based open technology. That that 20 years of innovation in that very specific set of use cases, just to be able to assume to come in and replace that with general purpose technology, it's a fairy tale. It's yeah. not going to happen, right? right. Yeah. But if you don't need that level of performance, you don't need that level of scale in that particular proprietary use case, and you want to push that out to a radio ASCIS network, it's probably the best idea possible. It'll save you money. It'll make you more adaptable to the future. It'll actually allow you to upgrade the technology easier. All that stuff is way better. So it's really going to happen like in a very kind of, um, it won't be a movement like you saw with client server or a movement like you saw with open source and middleware and stuff like that. 
it's going to be more one of these things where people are going to be very pragmatic about it. They're going to be like, well, you know what? I could probably do this now. And then in a few years, maybe I'll do this other thing. And I may never get to an open standards-based oil refinery, for example. Right? You may never get there. You're you're talking about the edge and and more of the, I hate to say verticals, but, you know, more industry-specific, right? I mean, you're, you're, go back to retail, right? Which really we used to go back to, we used to call it robo. You know, I think that's a, a different set of considerations and concerns than an oil refinery, water treatment plant, power facility, um, right? Right. Or, yeah, okay. Right, absolutely. All right, guys, so, you know, we're talking about, you know, Edge is, it's big. There, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of, a lot of different elements, but, it, you know, it, there, there are, you know, a lot of different considerations for companies. And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of folks that Steve and I speak to that are in the IT space that are kind of new in edge, you know, they look at some of the traditional providers, be it cloud, be it IT, be it, you know, um, ISVs, and they kind of don't know where to start. So, you know, as, as, as we're talking to Stratus, you know, Y'all have a history and you have a, a, you know, a a really solid reputation in a number of areas that kind of play into edge. Give us a little rundown. You know, why is Stratus a consideration as a company, um, in your, your edge solution, you know, as a, as a company that's kind of embarking on these projects? Sure. So I think, I think really when we think about edge, it's funny because we, we didn't necessarily set out to, to be an edge player, right? Uh, you know, we were um, a very typical IT company um, where we were selling into a lot of different horizontals and a lot of different spaces. And, and what really started to stand out at the edge for us was when we, we sat down and took a hard look at ourselves five years ago, we said, well, you know, the cloud's, the cloud's becoming more dominant a player in the data center space, so there are other places we can take the business, right? That was the, and, and what happened was is we saw – it was like we said, you know, the industrial and some of these markets, these verticals are actually ramping for us. They're growing, right? Well, what is that? What's going on there? What's that all about? And what we realized that we went and talked to a bunch of people, you know, and said, well, why do you, you know, we, we a lot of it was, why do you like us, right? You know, what, we, you know, because we were so used to, I hate to say it, but we were so used to talking to banks, right? We didn't know, right? So we went and started talking to folks and they came back and said, look, you know, the resiliency you guys make is great and we love that. And that's why we chose you, right? But what's really magical is, is that, you know, um, the systems are very simple to operate, set up, manage, and, and by the way, you know, very serviceable in terms of if something does go wrong. The other thing is, is that we have a really great service back end where the systems are constantly monitoring themselves and letting us know if there's a problem. So we can actually initiate service calls before something happens in some cases, right? So, so we started to really take a look at ourselves and take stock, and it really came down to we're very simple. We offer a level of protection for compute that nobody else can, and the systems can run autonomously, which is great because you don't always have a high-fidelity connection between the site and wherever you're taking the data, right? And those three things are really the cornerstone of our business. So we build systems that live up to those three standards. Um, you know, And we have a server-class system, and then we have a system that's more of a machine-class system, which... You know, uh, I hate to say it, but it's basically a really great stack of software that we've built into an industrial PC, but it's not an industrial PC. We've actually taken a lot of very common um, IT technologies like firewalls and virtualization and all this other stuff and stuffed it into an IPC, which is generally kind of a, a PC with, you know, environmental controls on it. But we've been able to kind of micro-size all that IT stuff and put it into a box. And those two technologies really are the basis of our edge business, yeah. Excellent. And 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 with that said, so you know, uh, our audience who you know, again, a lot are kind of looking at, we're either in the throes of or, or embarking on edge projects. You know, there's a there's a compelling reason to um, look at Stratus and solutions built on Stratus um, within their within their environments. What what are the top three, four, five, and you guys have different brains, kind of different perspectives on the market. So I want to get feedback from both of you. What are the top few tips you would give to organizations that are um, that are saying, you know, 2022 is the year of the edge for us, or we're going to mature or accelerate our edge projects. 
what are the what are the things they should consider and look out for and, and all that neat stuff from your perspectives? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, it, it's really about, you know, starting with a defined problem. Uh, you know, what are, what are we looking to solve for? And we can't solve for everything. So, you know, what is the driving problem? And where are we trying to get in, in the process over time? So there's going to be follow-on problems as well. Then I think it comes down to understanding the environment in which we're trying to solve those problems, both technically as well as culturally. You know, we look at the technology, the infrastructure, what's happening in that infrastructure, and the people around that infrastructure. Who's going to benefit? Who needs to interact? How will they interact? Are they ready to interact? And then lastly, I think it's a function of looking at the long-term investment and looking at it from that perspective of a return on investment. What should that ROI be over what period of time? I think all too often what we see is it ends up being a focus on cost. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It, 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 cost is always a big focus for any, any bean counter or IT organization. But is, but there's a, there's a, there's, there's direct and indirect cost, right? And I think you have to measure both of those if you're really kind of, um, being smart about, um, about things. Yeah, well, I think, I think what happens is, and, and, you know, I think our, the SIs that we're partnered with have gotten much smarter about this is that they're looking at the total solution, not just the application that's being run. Yeah. I, th- I think what happens sometimes is you got a problem, the problem's been identified. Now I go look for a, a platform or an application to solve that problem. And the infrastructure becomes the background conversation that somebody else worries about. Yeah. And I think the, the really, successful SIs have looked at that whole in net sum of a solution and said, look, the application is going to be able to run at its best if it's in the right infrastructure, in the right context of deployment. And then also looking at that infrastructure, not as pure cost, but how does that an investment to ensure the application and that the problem is solved. And so you have those direct indirect costs and, and then you also kind of have the, the long-term view into those costs yeah. uh, but it ends up being a, a decision based on a bomb right and a price yeah. as opposed to what am I going to get out of this and and I think that that's got to become a much more prominent part of the conversation when we're talking about HP. yeah they, we do this in, in IT infrastructure <laughs> right I mean, we don't see people implementing IT infrastructure anymore just to solve the problem they want to know what's the ultimate return to the business and what kind of efficiencies will be gained, that level of, of discipline in, in looking at a project uh, is, is starting to come into the OT world as well. Yeah. That's a good point. Jason, what are your thoughts? Where do you, you know, uh-huh. what do you want to listeners to walk yeah. away thinking about? Yeah. I think the first one is, is that there's a, um, there's a distinct need for a champion in all these projects, a real champion. Um, and, if you don't have a champion on your team, then then get help. I mean, Stephen mentioned SIs, and they're great. There's a lot of great ones we've worked with, and um, and engineering firms for you know on, on more of the government side of things, like your large engineering products, like building bridges or dams or stuff like that. There's an edge computing part to those even. Um, high, smart highways is one that we're just getting into now, which is interesting. But they need a champion, and, and that champion may not be one of your employees, so you may need to, to partner with an SI or a consulting firm. That, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is um, disavow any notions you have about security because you probably don't know enough. <laughs> and, by the way, you probably are nowhere near as secure as you think. You know, it's like, well, I'm air-gapped. I'm safe. Okay, yeah, all right. You're probably not air-gapped, and you're probably not safe, right? So. I do think that one of the major stumbling blocks is having the right secure foundation to build off of. And that can be challenging and expensive, but you know, this is really one of those walk run types of deals. And, you know, um, and in these environments haven't a lot of legacy equipment, a lot of weird stuff out there, a lot of stuff that's been kind of band-aids on top of band-aids. So you got to kind of rationalize that and security. I think the security umbrella is a great way to rational a lot of bad IT decisions, not just edge ones, but, it does seem that, you know, as companies have cybersecurity problems, it becomes an excuse to finally fix some of these things we haven't fixed yet, right? So that that one to me is a big one. Um, and I think the third one is, like, I really do believe in this notion that roles have to change and people have to look at these problems differently. And I don't know, you know, if you look at 
I think one of the problems that one of the things that I learned in my days at IBM was don't look at the problem through your own lens, right? Like we were, we were for a big technology vendor and it was like, what's this technology guy doing? What's this other guy doing? And I think what happens in a lot of these verticals, when you talk to the business owners, they're so concerned with the competition. They don't look for other industries for clues. Yeah. Cause I can tell you right now that, you know, when I started, you know, going out and talking to people about edge and talking about why it was important five years ago, Basically, everybody confronted me with, listen, guys, it's, it's cute and all, but you, you know, you guys make systems. You've been around for a hundred years and everything's going to be in the cloud. And it was like, well, you know what? Um, let's talk about these 10 use cases here that probably won't go into the cloud for, for a long, 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 long time, if ever. That was the first thing I'd confront them with. And the second thing I'd confront them with, like, who's going to do it? And that was really the birth. What, what ended up birthing the idea of hybrid OT back then? Was for us, it was, I was saying, well, what was the last major catalytic IT event and what actually caused it to blow up? And it was DevOps. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And when I started to see DevOps, DevOps was the driver, DevOps is this, and it was like, well, if this edge thing is going to take off that role, there's a, there's something like that there. Right. And then if you look at, well, what did DevOps, then if you get into that pattern, so looking for other patterns, Outside of your industry is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and in fact, it probably is going to be more informative than just looking at what your other competition is doing. Cause by the way, they're probably doing the same thing you are, right? So, so, you know, I, I guess open your minds a bit. And especially <laughs> as we talk about ITOT convergence, you know, the guy in the IT department has, if they've been there more than 10 years, they went through their own significant revolution of thought. <laughs> <laughs> where they went to agile, they started to change roles, they started to do all this other stuff. Well, if you're going to have to do something that disruptive, go talk to somebody who's been disrupted recently, right? And go, what did you learn from this experience and what did it mean? And you, you start to get back to some of the more esoteric things Stephen and I talked about in the last hour, which is what about the people? What about the roles? What about transparency? You know, and all these human conditions that need to be factored in. And And, and I think that if you factor those in, the business cases people will get energized and they'll start to think differently. And then the business cases will present themselves and this will become easier. One of the things I took away from both of you um, is two things. One is while technology is important, there's, you know, there's more to the edge than just a a technology component. And technology is kind of what we said earlier, maybe the easier part of the equation. It's like, you know, but you have to kind of bring a fresh set, a fresh brain, fresh set of uh, eyes and, and different perspective when you're looking at all the operational business and organizational issues you have to deal with to make the edge successful. And the other thing is, this is not a, this is not a revolution. It's an evolution. You know, there's a, there is a, you know, kind of a slower, while you can move faster, there is a, there is a kind of incremental approach that might be smart for a lot of companies given the history they have, given the years and decades they have of running these systems independently um, you know, and on, on, uh, on, uh, older systems that, you know, were, were, um, untouched for a long time. Well, I mean, these systems are, what, what you're missing, the, the driver of fast IT innovation is ultimately the fact that things are so abstracted and they're all digital, right? Mm-hmm. So you can move really fast. You, you can manipulate software really fast. You can do developer chain. You put in a good developer chain. You can do continuous integration, all this other stuff. There isn't an equivalent that to a factory, right? Right. That's a real thing that has moving parts. I mean, not to get all crazy on you, but I think a lot of people like are talking, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, people are talking about the metaverse and all this other stuff. But before people were talking about that, they were just talking about digital twins, right? In the the, the digital transformation space. The only, you're going to need something like that if you ultimately want to move faster. Because the truth is, is you, yeah, unless you're somebody gigantic who can build an analog to a factory and then have that to experiment on. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. You couldn't, you, by the way, you can't even do that hardware engineering. Trust me. So the fact that you can only do that in software engineering makes that the unicorn. Everything else is, everything else is real and that's the unicorn. The question is, can you drive it backwards from there? And that's, it's kind of funny because like this metaverse denouncement came out like a couple of weeks ago and it, it's gotten all this strange stuff. 
But the reality of it is, is that it could actually make innovation happen faster because of the simple fact that you've, you've now basically built a version of something that can be endlessly toyed with, which you cannot do with like, say, something that rolls gigantic rolls of paper. <laughs> you just can't screw with those things. Right. So it is an interesting concept. Yeah. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I have to tell you, um, we've always enjoyed having y'all on, on our podcast because you bring a different, pers- not different. You bring a real world. Well, I guess it is different. And that's a real world perspective with real world experiences um, to the discussion that we don't hear enough of specifically on the edge side. So um, thank you again for like a really, um, uh, a really interesting conversation. And I hope that we can do this again in the not too distant future. Bye.